Welcome guys to another episode of the All Ears podcast with me, Luke Barnett. This is a podcast that I've started because I need to learn more about the world. I felt like as I got better at fighting, the better I got at it, the more I realized I had to learn. And I feel like that same in the real world or the business world. The more I could learn about things and think I'm starting to master things, I realize there's so much more to learn. So I bring people on here to speak about specific topics to you know, improve my knowledge and hopefully improve yours as well. We have a super interesting guest, all about crypto, all about finance, something we're all into, but I don't know a lot about, so I brought Meg on to have a chat. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Luke. I'm so excited here in Marbella at the Marbella Podcast Studio. Uh, I'm really happy to, excited to get into this, to dig deep, throw all your curveballs <laughs> at me, I'm ready, and uh, yeah, let's do it. Well, let's start off with a question, I always like to start with one. What do you think is harder? to make people realize that crypto is the future of finance or to deal with the medical system in the Philippines? <laughs> I mean, people watching this are probably like, what? <laughs> um, that's a very tricky question, to be honest. Uh, I'm going to have to go with, you know, getting people to understand that Bitcoin is the future. I, I just kind of like paraphrase that, but it's even harder than dealing with like a life or death issue in the Philippines at this point. So we've got work to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think it is for, you know, I've been interested in crypto for many, many years. A lot of people have been. i am spent the last bull run completely fascinated with it and spending hours and hours and hours on my, on my computer. And I'm still a little bit lost. So what do you think is the main barrier of entry for the normal average person to get involved in crypto? Well, first off, what I just want to say is what they say in the industry is that if you've been here for two full cycles, that's when you'll truly experience success. So congratulations on making it through one. <laughs> um, and I just I think that people the barrier to entry is is kind of like a mixture of things. It's the lack of understanding of finance in general. You know, this is a, a topic that I discussed at length with um, a visionary, a guy called Yatsu. He's the founder of Animoca Brands, one of the biggest investing firms in the world for gaming, iGaming, AI. And he just thinks that there's a lack of fundamental understanding of what finances are and that people get trapped in the system not understanding it. So we go from that to like introducing a whole new financial system. And it's like we skipped a step. And so people are just kind of A, confused by that and B, confused by what they see in the, in the news and the narratives that the doom and the gloom and all the things that they pay attention to that don't necessarily isn't actually what's happening. So they don't have the long-term vision. They're just getting fed the short-term vision, maybe the exclusionary terms. They're intimidated by it. So many factors. And at the end, it boils down to, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to this. I'll get back to it later. They push it down the road, right? Yes. I think the fundamental knowledge of finance, you know, for most people, I mean, we could go on about our school systems and the fact that they probably should be teaching us that from day one. Uh, but I, I believe it's all in, in done on purpose and we shouldn't know about finance because once you know the rules of the game, it's not actually that difficult to play. But if you don't even know the rules of the financial system, like you said, what we have already, then how are you going to learn a whole new system and how are you going to do that? So for anyone trying to introduce themselves to finance in general, what sort of advice would you have for them? I think I would say, well, just think about the system. Let's talk about that for a minute, like the college university system. I went to college, a university, and it's this whole thing where, okay, it's this competition to who gets the highest grades, who gets the best recommendations, the best schools, then where will you be placed for the best businesses where you'll then consequently be trading your time for money, and you'll be stuck in this rat race forever. And what Yatsu actually described it as is at the moment that you finish that part of your life, you enter into the rest of your endangered servitude <laughs> as somebody who is, you know, essentially owned by the system. And that's what Bitcoin is 
essentially devised to, to counter, a, apart from many other things like inflation and, and the messed up monetary system, it's devised where people can actually go back to what is really truly important in this world, which is fundamental freedom as a human. And that's in financial aspects, that's privacy, that's transaction, that's business, it's everything. So I think people just need to open their minds up a, a little bit about, get educated about what actually is it and why does it matter first. So I think I completely agree. But then if you look at the direction that things are going, this is the, my fear. I, I know a little bit about crypto, like a little bit. My fear is the more I get to learn about crypto and the more I get to learn about control mechanisms by the government and everyone getting involved, when you start moving towards like CBDCs, crypto-backed digital currencies, people don't know what it is, that you start moving towards that. Like my fear is if then everything goes on the blockchain and we, we our, our currency is converted into only being crypto, then surely the government have total control over my spending. That's a really valid fear. And I'm glad you bring up CBDCs. We do not like CBDCs. I'm just going to put that out there. That is something that is so anti-crypto and they're not the same. So you can opt out of the CBDC system. That is like a centralized digital currency that the government is controlling. And they're already doing that in China. In fact, you know, they're adding a social currency to it, a social ID where actually they'll keep track of what you spend and maybe cap certain spendings. Or if you don't do enough carbon, you know, little carbon footprint that you can't do this or you can't do that. So CBDC is actually, we had some good news passed by a pro, you know, crypto legislation that said, they're not going to be, they, they want to pass a bill to make them illegal in the U.S. So that's the first step in like, wow, okay, maybe we're going to trend a different direction for once. Um, but yeah, they, they have nothing to do with each other really. And Bitcoin is still Bitcoin. It's still its own entity. And, and they're two separate things. One so, is freedom and one is servitude. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. And I'm glad you brought up China and everything going on there because, you know, I don't want to get super political. We're talking about finance, although it kind of is the same thing. But when you look at China, for me, the control they have over their populace and their people and now the financial control they have. I always feel like we're kind of veer, it feels like right now we're veering more and more and more in that direction and, and hopefully it will swing the other way. But that is the fear, right? I don't know if you've seen the episode of Black Mirror where they have, yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, the Black Mirror episodes, when they have the, uh, the social score, I would do very badly <laughs> on that because I have an abrasive personality and I normally leave people in a bit of a, they hate me, so I don't think I'd get five stars very often. So then you cut, you're in a certain level of society and all that sort of stuff, but you brought up like the carbon um, and carbon emissions. I feel, again, if the government has control over our money, and I fly around the world all the time. You do as well, traveling constantly, and uh, my carbon's high. You know, <laughs> I would be the first person to be shut down and have to stay at home uh, if that was where the system went. I feel like how do people, what's the average person take control over themselves rather than getting caught up in that system? They said the rat race, going to university, then after that working a life, life, lifetime of servitude to something, to a company, to, to whatever it's going to be. How do I make sure that I don't fall into that trap? Well, I think it involves taking a calculated risk, you know, at the point that you are at in your life now to think, you know, all of the Internet's most brilliant minds have gravitated toward this Web3 world, toward this crypto world, the AI world, blockchain. And that's for a reason, you know, and, and I want to go back to Charles Hoskinson is one of my favorite people in the space. He's the founder of Cardano. And he always talks about fundamental human rights, fundamental freedoms, economic agency and identity and being able to control your business and not be shut down or have the fear of constantly being censored and things like that. So I think that it's time to take a calculated risk to stand up and say, 
Do I want my life to look like this? Do I want to fall into this circle? Or do I want to fight for those fundamental freedoms of what it means to be human? You know, and, and that's kind of what it is. And part of taking that giant leap, which it is for a lot of people, is getting educated. And that sounds so like, oh, yeah, I get educated. I don't want to. But there's different ways. I mean, you just start digging in, and whatever catches your eye, you, you, you go further. You find people you like that talk about it. I know you're involved in the space. What got you interested? Making money. Like, <laughs> I, um, I was originally actually interested by making money, of course. And I actually joined a group that were involved in crypto, and I learned an insane amount about it but then it did come down to that freedom because I, I i see the future i see 10 years down the line maybe not even 10 years down the line i see the fail of the west i see the dollar failing i see the pound just failing and then what's going to replace it that's my fear i feel again overnight the banks could close we could not lose access to our money and then all of a sudden we have to, we have not no choice but to move on to this new cbdc's i mean i'm glad i didn't know that they were illegal in america so that's a amazing news well they're not but, illegal yet but uh, they passed a bill that they want to make them illegal well, that's a great step that's a step in the right direction <laughs> yeah. so if they're going to make them illegal fantastic because mm -hmm. i feel like any day now we could just get shut down any day honestly yeah. i feel like i'm living on in fear all the time about this and because of that and the freedom that I understand the blockchain gives you and I understand the crypto gives you, I became more, I was in, at first I was investing just to make money. Now I'm investing more a little bit with my heart as well, hoping that this is the, you know, going to come true and this is going to be the future of the world. So I think getting educated is huge on that. Um, there's a platform that I use that you'll be able to see it downstairs in the comments because I do advertise it as well. It's called The Real World and we mm -hmm. have a crypto space. We have 18 different methods for wealth creation in, in the new world and, and crypto is a big part of it. And that's where I first learned about crypto as well a few years back, four years ago, three years ago. And um, yeah, for me, I'm super passionate about that now. Obviously, want to make money like everyone does, but I think that's one of the issues that's attached to crypto is people see it only as a money-making thing and they don't realize the actual utility of what crypto is over long term like if you zoom out and you look over 20 30 40 years what you can actually do with crypto i mean look there's nothing wrong with wanting to make money this is the greatest chance of financial freedom and the biggest transfer of wealth we'll ever witness in our lifetime for sure so i got involved because i wanted to make money i wanted to be a part of that financial freedom i wanted that as well so there's nothing wrong with that and i don't think we have to say hey i invested in this you know also because I'm passionate about this. I think a lot of people's story start by investing because of that deep down innate feeling of, wow, I want something different for myself. I want to be on the chance, on the cutting edge of getting into something at a low level new. So when I first started, I started researching all the different things and, and Cardano was one that jumped out a lot. Um, I got into Cardano around three to four cents and it was one of my heaviest investments when I first started. But before that, I researched for like a year and a half one night, I sat down, I still remember it vividly, I was like, middle of the night, nobody was around, I was in my pajamas, I think, and I got a massive whiteboard. Like, I do use programs and professional things, but I'm a big person who loves to write on the board. I, my walls are full, my brother says that sometimes I look like a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> because all of my walls are filled with writing and whiteboards and stuff, and so I mapped it all out. You know, based on what I thought could happen, based on prior cycles, this is a massive opportunity, and when I did that, then after the next bull run came, which was shortly after the next halving, it did a 69X on Cardano, and it was without getting lucky. And I say that in quotes because, you know, like a lot of people come in here and they look for the shiniest new coin and they want to chase those pumps and that dopamine and those, you know, like instant wins. But I didn't plan it that way. I just planned on betting on a coin that I knew would do well and I'm not, you know, setting a target that I need for it to hit in order to, no, I, it's more set it and forget it. So I sat there, I mapped it out, and I let it go. 
And that was like where I saw that things are most successful is when you just sit down and you, you, you make a strategy plan. So now instead of, I've been consulting for a lot of high-end investors, companies, celebrities, now I'm really focused on that new person, on getting those new people in and getting them those opportunities that we have now to, to do something similar to what I did, even though it's not the same levels, because right now we're in the golden zone of buying. <laughs> and I can't stress that enough. I can't. So I'm focused on now educating them, and I'm actually going to launch a course to do with that as well. So. Okay. Okay, brilliant. Okay, yeah. well, I, I found that for me, me and my investor, you, you described it, the dopamine hits, chasing, that, that's what I did for the last bull run. I just spent the whole time trying, obviously I did research, I, I was 10 hours a day on my laptop, listening to different people's opinions, trying to look at coins. I hit a couple good ones, like I hit Solana, super, super low. I got it in at like $6 and, and that went all the way up to 220 odd. So, you know, I, I made money out of the experience, but I had so much energy and focus going into it. I also lost a lot you know, like on scams, on NFTs, on I, I on leverage trading, because I'm mm. crazy, you know, all <laughs> these things. But I, I understood now looking back retrospectively at it, I was chasing the dopamine and the excitement because I just retired from fighting and the adrenaline that I got from almost gambling. I didn't know at the time and I, I thought I was being clever and all these things, but it was kind of like a gamble that fed my, you know, my dopamine I needed. So I think, one thing you have to, which I don't want to give warnings, but like for guys getting involved in crypto, it is like, can be like an online casino if you're not educated and you don't look at it from a certain lens and you just jump in like I did and like I know a lot of people have, mm. it can be, you don't want to make it an online casino. You want to understand, I mean, there's always risk, don't get me wrong, but you need to have an understanding. So I think education is definitely the way forward for that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Solana isn't necessarily one of those I was talking about. Solana, actually, I also got in not quite as low as you, but around in the, in the 20s. And um, that that is less to me like gambling and more like, OK, you got in on a good project that was in the beginning. Well, good. I mean, <laughs> I have some thoughts on Solana, but it was a project that was had a clear projection forward and getting a lot of traction. It's great. And one of my favorite investors, his name is Mark Yusko. And he talks about the fact that like, when you're building your portfolio, you have a strategy. First of all, apart from him, the most important thing is to master your emotions. And that is so hard for humans to do. That's why we have market cycles. It's the only consistent thing in human history is emotion. <laughs> and, we, and that's just what it is. So just having that strategy and building that and allowing yourself to, to have your crypto casino in a small part of your portfolio. So imagine like something that, that's not so big that it gives you anxiety. And you just set it there. And most of them will go to zero. Some of them will not. And that'll, those will be a rinse. So he, he basically says, in that case, like in that small basket, if it doesn't have the possibility of going to zero, then it doesn't have the possibility of, of multiplying by the axis that you want, right? So like, I think that it's okay if you do it with a small basket in private sales of things that are coming up that maybe you believe in or give it a shot, but like nothing that's gonna keep you up at night, right? Like we gotta be practical about it, that's all. It's funny cause you, I've got a question on here that says about females in web three and, and then use the word emotion like, okay do you think females and women are better investors or men because i i believe maybe i'm wrong women are ran by emotion and men are ran by logic so you said it's very difficult to control your emotions in crypto especially so do you think that leans into women have better control over their emotions even maybe they are more emotional <laughs> but maybe they have more experience with controlling them i don't know like do you find investing as a woman or i know you're trying to involve more women in, in in crypto do you think that's a positive thing or yeah i'm actually i'd like to talk about this because i have consulted for very high-end portfolios myself and people who are 
multi-multi-millionaires and they've got massive empires, right? And so it's, and there may be traditional finance guys that actually don't know what they're doing in crypto, so they sought out help. And although women are innately more emotional than men in life, one thing I think is very interesting is that the way they think about risk and the way that they have strategy, their type of strategies. So one uh, post I was just going to put on my Instagram, actually, funny enough that you said it, is that I asked Kevin O'Leary, we were doing an event together pre-FTX, I raised the question to him that billionaire investor Tim Draper, who's going to be on my podcast soon, says that women are going to fuel the next bull run. Women. It's going to be women. And I asked Kevin O'Leary, what he thought about that? And his answer was actually pretty interesting. He said um, that when he invests in private companies, it tends to be two-thirds women working in those private companies, and he thinks the reason why they get better outcomes in investing is their potential to mitigate risk. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think that there's something there. I think that a lot of my clients have said, too, I've asked them, what do you think about women versus men investing? And they say that, Sometimes it seems that men tend to go for the flashier, more risky bets to impress, and women have like a more long-term strategic thought about it. So it's interesting. It's interesting to see that for the first time, there are a lot of women stepping up to, to fill these roles. Um, you know, Kathy Wood being one that's constantly in the limelight. And I think that, you know, it's something to consider, really. Yeah, I think uh, I could see about that mitigating risk because I'll take any risk <laughs> out there. It doesn't matter. I just jump on it. And uh, my wife definitely would not. So I completely agree with that. And that's uh, it's interesting. It's definitely interesting to think about, especially as you go up the tiers, right? When you start, so can we talk about my portfolio, but when you start doing multiple millions, millions and millions, then yeah, maybe you want to mitigate a little bit of risk. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so then obviously talking about that and the cycles and everything going on, um, obviously at the moment in a bit of a bear market everyone's like crying and oh, when's the when's the ball going to come when, when are the numbers going to go up and up and up and everyone wants to see up 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 but there's so much going on in the world right now and they're, they're printing trillions and trillions of dollars all over the place so what would be your prediction for when we would at least start to see some, some movement loaded question <laughs> I, I'm actually thinking about this every day for like the past you know entire summer entire year and I think you have to kind of like zoom out and have a look at where we are compared to previous cycles and also in the economic cycle, because they're all cycles, right? And the Fed just came out and they didn't, they didn't, they paused the rate hiking, which was what everybody expected. And they said that there's going to be one more rate hike somewhere down the line. Uh, they also said something really concerning in that it wasn't quite clear the way that he said it, but Jerome Powell said, uh, we were hoping for a soft landing. And that means that you know, they raise the rates just enough without breaking things. A hard landing is where they ra raise the rates so much that things come crashing down. So he said they were hoping for a soft landing, and they're still hoping for that, but that, that may not be the case due to things outside their control. So that's really interesting. And they're saying that, that, that things are starting to get out of their control, and they're realizing that the policies they've been enforcing and all the money printing really did mess things up, to put it, to put it like that. So right now, we've got the halving coming up in April 2024, which is when the Bitcoin mining rewards get cut in half, and there's a um, supply shock on the market, right? That face with all of the ETFs that are getting ready to be applied for. So BlackRock applying for its ETF, and we'll talk later about all those guys and how they manipulate the markets, right? But like all of these things on the horizon, the halving coming in April in previous iterations of the, the bull run, the, the run starts a couple months before having, and then sometime after we take off, and that's how it's been. And we're kind of set up right now to be able to do the same thing. You know, um, this, is, this is just an interesting stat. So BlackRock, if they put 0.5% of their wealth that they manage into Bitcoin, 
all at once, they could buy literally all the Bitcoin that's available on exchanges now. So imagine when their, their ETF is approved, what that's going to do to the supply on the market. Because, you know, with a spot Bitcoin ETF, which is what they're applying for, they actually have to buy the Bitcoin to back what people are investing in. So um, all of that considered, I am just asking myself the question, how long do I have? Hopefully I have longer because it doesn't need to happen tomorrow for me. Like I want to get as much money as humanly possible so that I can invest in these markets when they're, when they're at these levels because I believe that there will be a point when these institutions come in that's going to shake things up and it's going to make it really hard for the average people to get those same returns. Yeah, so you're, you're in the same mindset as me, I think. The longer the bear market goes on, the better. The, better, uh, yeah. the longer we have, the better, because we need to make as much money as possible to try and get into the machine before it takes off. Yeah. And I think um, it's interesting about BlackRock. I didn't know the percent, you know, all the numbers, all the <laughs> names, everything is great. Um, you know, with them getting behind it, the, explain to, you know, because the viewership's a bit different, explain what a spot ETF is going to be for the, these guys at Bitcoin. Explain what that is in financial terms. Like you said, people don't have the financial uh, understanding. So just explain. Yeah, so a spot... <laughs> ETF works for Bitcoin, actually, um, in that the actual investors don't have to actually have exposure to that asset themselves. So if they don't want to custody their own Bitcoin, which is the point of crypto, <laughs> so it is the best option. But for those that just want ease of use, um, they want to be able to buy into something at any, you know, it's a less minimum buy-in. So they can just buy into the ETF and have the exposure to the Bitcoin basically, and BlackRock custodies that for them. It's different than a futures ETF because futures is just paper trading. So when Black, BlackRock launches this investment vehicle, just like any other ETF, you can buy into it and benefit from the rewards it makes over time. Right? So, so that's basically what an ETF is. And the good part about it, though, is it allows institutions to get involved. It allows them to start buying Bitcoin and allowing their clients to get exposure who aren't going to want to buy it, which, let's face it, is a lot of the population right now. It's complicated. So um, that's, that's what that is. So then the layers to that is like BlackRock are up here and they're buying the, the, the spot ETF and people are pumping money into that, but the amount of clients that BlackRock already have, right? That's, that's how I'm trying to explain to people. It's like BlackRock are the biggest financial institution in the world. They have the biggest amount of clients, the amount, amount of revenue, but no one can actually buy Bitcoin at the moment via them because there's no ETF. So as soon as they have an ETF launch, all this huge block of investors and investment in companies and individuals now has access to Bitcoin. So as soon as that happens, it should reflect in the price, right? But I, I believe... Something I've learned about crypto is things seem to be like priced in quite a lot of the time. So it's like if you're waiting for this to, to happen and you think, okay, once that happens, the, the price is going to shoot up. The We'll talk about the big boys that play the game and control <laughs> everything. They know that's going to happen, right? So they know in advance that, okay, when the ETF launches, price is going to go. So you might see investment go in to Bitcoin way before that happens, right? Yeah. In fact, they've already been doing it long before they've told you and and... Most definitely when they tell you that it's the worst asset um, class in human history. So, yeah, uh, but I don't think, even though we can say it's priced in and we can think it's priced in, I don't think people understand the magnitude of all of these factors combined because it's not just the Black Rocks who run the world, which they do. They manage trillions of dollars. I mean, they're the biggest asset manager in the world um, as far as, like, amounts that they manage. And so when they speak, people listen. People listen. And so... I think that it's going to have much more order of magnitude than people can expect, but also different things like Michael Saylor has talked about. Um, MicroStrategy is this company who was the first uh, 
public company to start buying Bitcoin in the masses like it did. Um, and he says that other things affect this and Bitcoin, um, private companies holding Bitcoin on their balance sheets. For example, the accounting practices there are now. You basically hold the Bitcoin and you don't mark the gains, but you mark the losses. So on your balance sheet, you have to mark what was the lowest price it was at, and that's what it is, if it falls below the price you bought it for. So companies are reflecting massive losses, when in reality, it's not how it is. So there's a lot of barriers right now that, that prevent most of the world's sovereign wealth from coming in, including from offshore. I mean, just a lot of these people rely on US regulation. So my god, like it doesn't matter what the factor is. There's hundreds of factors. And all of those factors combined with the new scarcity um, supply shock of Bitcoin being less, less Bitcoin mined on the market and, and being deflationary every year. It's like 1.9% for this having and the next having it goes down to like 0.9% inflation. So it's going down as the dollar is going infinite. Infinite, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, okay, so let's, let's try and... Amazing stuff. I was going to have one more question actually about that. Do we know when this is going to happen? Do we know when the ETF is going to try and be launched? Have they got dates that they're trying to put it in? Do you know? The second dates? approval possibility is in October. Uh, I'm not so sure that they... It seems like they're just going to drag it out like they do most things. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if it went into 2024. Okay. Um, so that's, you know, it can happen at any time, which is anytime, anytime starting October. So, which is why I'm just trying to get my funds allocated and, and not wait for the magical moment. Right. But I, I think that it'll probably be dragged out into the next year. Okay. So, so we, we, small amount of time, really, when you think about it, to, yeah. to, to try and get in before that happens. Yeah. So, and not to mention, I do want to say one thing, BlackRock just bought a ton of Bitcoin. Okay. But what about when they want to buy more? Is it like, do people think about the fact that are they going to want this asset to massively rise in price before they're done accumulating? So I'm thinking too, if we are going to have another sell-off in Bitcoin, it's going to be in the next six months because they want to get those assets cheap. And during that time, there will be a lot of narrative spun and narrative can be spun like that. That's the game. And they want to control the people who don't think for themselves or don't try to get outside sources of news other than the mainstream media. Yeah, and then when the mainstream media says, it's all going to hell, we're all going to lose, it's all going down, it's all going down, get rid of it, and you sell, 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 sell from fear, and the price drops to 12K, then they buy loads of it. Yeah. And then it goes up. So, yeah, I, they were, they say diamond hands, I think that's the, the phrase, right, in crypto, yeah. diamond hands, gold, whatever, uh, again, I don't know. Um, okay, let's move away from crypto just for a little bit and talk about yourself. But the question at the beginning was um, about surviving the medical system in the Philippines. I don't know if people know about it, but you obviously had some troubles there and, and, and you were sick and you had a near-death experience out there. We don't need to go into detail, but... For you having that experience and being where you are in the space and all the things that you've done in your life in the last few years, traveling the world, meeting all these people, investors, and, and dealing with this, obviously money's super, super important, but with the uh, near-death experience, did you have any sort of epiphanies or anything happen or any more focus on life or things that you had to think about? It's really interesting. It really threw me through a loop and I was kind of off. I was, just wasn't myself. I remember telling my husband, like, it's the first day I haven't listened to anything about crypto in like four years. Like not one thing like that day. I remember it and I was just like, what's going on with me? And, and yeah, it took a toll on me, but I'm literally giving my blood, sweat and tears to this. You know, I'm like traveling the world. You know how it is. It's exhausting. It's trying. It's, it's like very demanding, but it's also very rewarding because you're fulfilling your, your purpose in life. So when I got home and I, I really let it sink in about the near-death twice experience, um, it really got me to think like, I, I, I got a sense of urgency in me. Like, I just need to go. 
I just need to do things. You know, like Top Gun's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> um, the new one. I just, I love that movie. And, you know, how um, Tom Cruise, he says to, um, I forgot his name, Hanger Bird. I always got, he's got a name, but he says, listen, don't think, just do. And I think that I can tend to overanalyze and try to make things perfect before I put them out there. And I just got this sense of urgency, like, I need to do this now. I need to launch this now. I need to get going now and take advantage of every waking minute of every day to, like, do what I set out to do, especially with these timelines on the horizon, you know? So um, it's really important, not just the, the financial aspect, of course, but, like, the freedom the freedom to do whatever you want, to be with your loved ones, um, you know, the, the propelling fire and fuel behind what you're doing. I mean, if it's just money, it's going to be kind of empty, I think. So for me, it's, it's about the freedom, but it's also about to live my life in, in, you know, do the things I want with my loved ones. Like, I just want to everybody to be able to have that kind of opportunity, you yeah. know? And I mean, the, there is an abundance of opportunity out there. I think that's the thing with mainstream media that allows us to think that, doom gloom doom gloom and there's plenty of doom gloom don't get me wrong <laughs> but especially in this space i feel like you know there's this huge opportunity for people to to elevate their lives and to change their lives and, and I, I really think you know voices like your own and people that are trying to spread the message about about this opportunity for people it's super super powerful and for them i just hope people listen you know and i think that's the thing convincing people to to get on board with something so to them is insane, but I should understand finance. So what well, digital kind of money that I, it's like, if you just take the time to get through it, I think you'll find huge, huge benefit from it. Um, one thing I found, and I think you, you touched on it, like people get super, super involved in it. And we've spoken about this before. And then it kind of takes over their entire life. You just said, I've not listened to a thing in four years. Well, they off without four years. Um, and I think it's to do with physical, mental fit, fitness and health. Like I think after the scare that you had as well, um, I know you're trying to push people in the direction of being healthy and exercising and, and how's that going in the crypto space? You know, it's a, it's a really good topic for right now, actually, because I'm, I'm going to be putting out some content on that because recently one of the biggest YouTubers in the space, BitBoy, Ben Armstrong, he's, uh, he's had a bit of a, you know, difficult time. His life has kind of spiraled out of control. Uh, he actually just made it known that he was on steroids, right? And the thing about being on steroids, especially without a med medical prescription, he says he has a medical medical prescription, but whatever it is, like, it can cause you to do, like, a lot of irrational things. And he's been having trouble with his, his weight for a long time and losing weight. And I think, in general, it's just a reflection of the, of the space itself being unhealthy and being obsessive and being, like, on the internet typing all day. And so um, the steroids is beside the point. It's, it's mainly, like, the way that his life spiraled out of control when he stopped focusing on, like, actual health and actual things, you know, that you do that make you happy in life and make you feel good and propel you forward. So I think, like, fitness is a huge thing in reaching freedom because your mind is clear, you feel good, you can make sound decisions. You know this. You're, you know, a professional athlete. I think that, like, it needs to, it needs to come back. And I think that in order for people to, like, get control of things or feel better when times are tough is to, to be, you know, to take their health seriously, right? Like, I think for me, I found is going through spats of my life being extremely healthy and being unhealthy is the clarity that you get from health and, and, and from fitness is unmatched. You cannot get it anywhere else. But the problem is that it creeps in. I don't know BitBoy. I don't know who he is. He's on steroids. Cool. I don't know. But um, 
I'm sure what happened to him is he slowly got obsessed with crypto or whatever the mechanism is that gets you obsessed and then you sl slowly creeps in on you and you forget you literally don't know what it feels like to be healthy you completely forget what it what clarity you have and how you feel and then you walk up the stairs one day and you go okay I need to get in, into shape and some people never get back there you know so I think that's the issue is it, it's like uh, like a thousand cuts, you know, like yeah. slow, 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 slow. And if you don't have the regime in place or the knowledge, again, I think fitness, a lot of it comes down to knowledge. Same yeah. as crypto. Mm -hmm. Like what they're doing to us in the financial world, they're also doing us to in the physical world with food and what we eat. And, and if you go in a supermarket and you walk down the aisles, nothing is real food. Nothing, no. nothing. So understanding when you turn something over and if you look at it and understanding what food is, like that's a huge part of it as well. But I think... Like you said, having the mechanism in place to wake up and think, okay, my, the number one thing that is important in life is your health. But you, the, the, the vehicle that you are living this experience through is your body. So you need to look after it. But crypto people especially, I think, lose that because their vehicle becomes their computer. Right, they, yeah. They live on the internet. So to try and bring that back into the body can be quite difficult for them because they're waiting for the pump. Yeah, know? and for those dopamine hits. And that's how they're, man, when I start walking, it's, astounding the ideas that I get that I didn't have when I was sedentary. Like just that, the simple thing of moving. If you keep moving, you're good. That's always what I say. And the health is most obviously wealth. And so the reason I brought that up about BitBoy is because I met him a long time ago. He's a super nice guy. He, he did a lot for crypto. He brought a lot of people over. But you could just witness this sort of like, you know, in the end, this unveiling of events where he kind of just fell apart it fell apart it was a lot of egocentric uh, content and it was a lot of things that didn't make sense and i think that the steroids definitely is one factor it's like a quick fix to something that needs to be worked on from the inside out most likely and that's just in his individual case and i think in a lot of people's cases it could be i think if he if he starts to take his health seriously things will massively change for him just just by the fact that you're you're thinking so much more clearly like you said well you said about emotional control uh, being a big part of it and um, like steroids are basically hormones estrogenous hormones that you're putting into your body that can really affect your emotional state and they call it roid rage right <laughs> i don't know what roid rage is when you're trading but sell 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 yeah, i don't know yeah, yeah. um but yeah so understanding that and getting clean and having a clean outlook you know this crypto space or digital space it's amazing but we have to remember that we live in a physical world and we need to look after the body that we have and the mind that we have and i think once you have that connection i always say that um, the mind is only as strong, as strong as the body and the body is only as strong as the mind. So if you're physically strong, you're mentally strong and you can utilize that in the digital world as well. And I think that's something you've done different to most, again, just not getting to know you, the most crypto people. Most crypto people, they grow on the internet. They get on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now and they start banging away about all these <laughs> things they're doing and they gain att att attention or BitBoy, I'm sure he got big on YouTube. I, again, I don't know. Um, but you've got big or gone big in the physical space, in the physical world, meet, world meeting people face-to-face, -face, setting up events and doing, and now you're kind of transitioning over to socials and onto online. So what do you find the difference between the physical space and the online space? That's really uh, well broken down, actually, <laughs> coming from the fighter who understands, you know, the importance of, of taking care of your physical health. And, and wow, that's, yeah, actually, it is what I did. That was the trajectory of, of what I did. I wanted to be there in person. One of the reasons why is because uh, when I started giving lectures at our private members club here to really high net worth people and, and investors, I noticed here in Marbella, I noticed that most of the, the room was men. 
And uh, I was like, hey, where are the women? They don't want to hear about this, but they should, and they love it once they hear about it, I'm telling you. And so I decided I wanted to go on a world tour and that women get onboarded into things like social media more by seeing their people in person, networking in person. And I was able to build up an incredible network that I could never have, I never imagine having done if I didn't do it in person. Like it's so much different than the online space. And I know that not everybody has the opportunity to travel and you know, that's, that's something that is up for discussion. But for me, it was one of the most powerful things I could have done in building, you know, my reputation in the space and in, in building my network and in, in fostering those relationships that in the end are going to be the people that ride with you to the top that help you do new things that give you new ideas. And I'm really big on meeting people in person, doing those physical health things. And so now transitioning into the digital world, uh, you know, I'm trying to bring that there. I'm trying to bring that with me. I want to start like a Twitter spaces, for example. We should definitely do one because, you know, you as, you, as a professional athlete, um, teaching people the importance of this stuff and how much better, how much more elevated their life can become, like you said before, by applying that to what they're doing online, right? Yeah, I think it's, um, again, it's a missing step. You want to call it that like yeah some people have got it in the physical some people have got it in the digital but the but, but putting the two together you have to understand that your brain is attached to your body not to the internet so if you want to look care, take care of your brain got to take care of your body that will take care of the rest of that i mean we believe that physical health and mental health is the number one most important thing in the world i think everyone agrees with that no one will disagree <laughs> but people don't do take the steps to to get there because they get distracted one of my big things i talk about and this is something different but I talk about the opening 30 minutes of your day. Don't be attached to the digital world. Be attached to the physical world. So when you wake up, don't look at your phone. Because if you wake up and look at your phone, your brain goes all over the place. You've got tasks. You've got people emailing you, tweets, whatever it is. Just spend 20, 30 minutes on your own. With, I'm not with nature. I'm not a hippie. You know, but, but just like breathing and, and thinking about your life and thinking about who you are. And I think when you do that, your day is so much clearer. Then when you wake up and you're like, oh, I got this, got this, got this, and and it just takes you off on a on a crazy crazy route. Um, so yeah, I've actually seen you in in the physical world uh, at one of these events. I was part of the Lamborghini and Dark Global oh, event that right. you hosted here in Marbella. We didn't know each other then, and I, I mainly went for the free wine and food, but <laughs> but um, but that was to do with the Lamborghini Villas, and mm. and they're going to be starting here in Marbella and, and you hosted it. So some big players there, some big Marbella players, a very, very big event that, that you were a part of, well, you ran. Yeah, that, that event was awesome. I mean, it was just an incredible summer until it wasn't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that event was really cool. And that, again, you, you get involved in these events, you go to, to, to places in person, you meet people that you normally wouldn't encounter. Uh, and so I started working with Dar, like consulting with Dar Global about how can we make this a bigger thing. And they do accept crypto in Dubai currently for their properties there. And one of the biggest initiatives that I'm launching now, you know, just to get people to, to be able to start with adopting crypto, with using it as a payment mechanism, with using it for anything at all, is allowing people to purchase properties here in Marbella with crypto. So there's a lot of big players on board and we're getting ready to launch soon and it's going to be really, really cool. How, uh, how long are we going to take to do that? Because I could definitely, I got, I got some crypto and I, I could buy some property. Uh, yeah, actually, funny that you say, we've been working on it in the background, you know, for the better part of the summer and probably within the next couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm ready okay. to go. Yeah. Putting, so. putting the pressure on me now. <laughs> 
Well, okay, so we come all the way around. Like you said, we started in the crypto space, went to the physical space, speaking about this event that you ran and Marbella. So why Marbella? What ended up bringing you to Marbella and you know, in your, your personal life? What was the choice that made you think? Because I've lived here now nine years, coming on Yeah, 10. I guess I could ask you the same, huh? Uh, <laughs> okay, we could, I'll give you my reasons after you give me yours. But uh, you know, what, what do you find that's so advantageous or good about living in Marbella? I think it's, Spain is a magical place. And I, did a, I studied abroad here in college, and I came right after college. I decided I, I didn't know many people or hardly anyone. I said, I'm getting up, I'm leaving. That's where I'm supposed to be. And so I did a master there with Google. It was like the first one they founded because it was only brick and mortar back then. So Google wanted to help executives you know, digitize their companies. And then I was like, this is where I want to stay. So I just, I just, I went to Sevilla. Um, I got stuck in the magic, in, in like the electricness of it. I mean, like the quality of life here is next to none. And I think what a lot of people are missing, even the luxury people who are looking for, you know, who's living in Dubai and stuff. Don't get me wrong, Dubai is great, but like the thing that I love about Spain is the soul. Like the socialist, the healthiness, like people are out talking, power walking, interacting socially, you know, the Spanish life is next to none. I think you can attest to that. And if we can pair that with like a very high quality of life and living standard, I mean, there's nothing better in my mind. Well, that's what Marbella has. I mean, Spain's amazing, Sevilla's amazing. There's so many places that are great and they have the culture and they have the soul. I mean, we live on the Costa del Sol, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, no, I think for me personally, I lived in Malaga for a little while and then I moved closer and closer to Marbella. I now live in, in, in a small little bit fishing village. And the I have a family, I have kids. I walk my kids occasionally. My wife will be watching thinking, you never walk your kids. Occasionally <laughs> I walk my kids to, to school along the beach or we walk them back on the beach. You know, the, the, the lifestyle for young people here is incredible. Like you said, people are out late at night and, and there's just this vibe about Spain, but then you can mix that. I, I can sit on the beach and have a coffee cost me a euro dollar fifty you know right. like nothing and i can just enjoy my time or then i can go to the the dar global lamborghini event in marbella on the port and be luxury and go to these big events and have big dinners so i have a fantastic mixture of like high-end beautiful stuff very very calm stuff from my family as well so i think i, I think the costa del sol or marbella in general i've traveled a lot you travel a lot there's nowhere better to be. Don't move here because we've got enough people here already. That's right. So, <laughs> so, so it's busy enough. But you know, it is really, really is fantastic. And, yeah. and I think, making jokes, but this year I feel, last couple of years, I feel like it's really changed since COVID. I think we've had a lot more influential people moving here. And I feel like the, the space is becoming great. And now having the, the podcast studio here as well, I, I can sense like the changes on the coast and how, how it's really, really going to be just be up and up and up, hopefully like crypto in 2025, four, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think we're only going to get better here in Marbella and I can't think somewhere better. Yeah, I mean, influential people, you, you got it. I mean, people, you get the best of all the worlds, like you said, the luxury, the magical Spanish vibe, living, anything, the coast, the, the ocean breeze, the power walks, the healthy people everywhere that are really, you know, out walking every day. Like you said, it's just like this quality of life. Eva Longoria trains at our gym. And so we, we were there quite a bit with her during the summer when she comes. Djokovic plays at our tennis club. Michael Saylor just had lunch at our, at our members club. So, you know, like it's becoming a hub and a hotspot. And I think the, this Marbella podcast studio is going to be massively successful because I'm also seeing those changes. And, you know, I like that it's not something that's just all flash and no soul. I, I think the combination is what makes it unique. 
Right. Yeah, hopefully, as long as the big players don't shut us down and <laughs> lock us in our houses and make us be, you know, whatever, everything will be great. So what do you think, what's in your future now? Like coming to the, what do you think in the, in the immediate future for you? Where's your vision now? Like you said, coming off this life or an experience, you feel urgency. What's right now your mission at the moment? Yeah, so I'm still on the world tour. I'm still planning events coming up where I want to educate people, you know, that might not necessarily be beginners, but in the financial institutions, you know, Web 2, bridging to Web 3, I'm still doing that. But my most urgent goal is to just build a community of people who want to learn, who see the urgency in learning and the importance in getting involved in such a such an important movement in human history. And actually, Charles Hoskinson, again, I'm going to quote him because the guy is brilliant. You guys should go watch, go watch his videos. I mean, they are absolutely just what crypto embodies and Web3 in general. And he says, in the next 10 years, we're going to witness the biggest change in human history. And, you know, like being a part of that as a pioneer on the cutting edge of that technology and being able to benefit from it in so many ways, not just financially, which is a huge factor, but also like the community that you build along the way. I want to teach people how to get involved. I want to teach them how to invest. I want to teach them how to, you know, network with the community. Because one of the things I noticed about crypto when I first started is, um, you know, you can call a support line for a tech company and it's completely impersonal and robotic, but I'll jump on any kind of chat or anywhere. And the crypto people, they just, they, they help you. They want to help. They want to tell you what they've done. And, and in the networking and the kind of like brotherhood, and sorry to mention this, but I have to do it. You know, I'm a part of Board Ape Yacht Club, the NFT collection, right? And everybody's like always talking about the monkeys, oh, the monkey JPEGs. Like, it's not all about that. But there's so much more behind that. And another one of crypto's magical things is that anywhere that I see them around the world, they're instantly a family. Like, they support each other. We help each other's businesses grow. I've done the big, best networking in my life in Board Ape Yacht Club. <laughs> and it's like, you know, all the events that I've been to, it's, it's that particular club where, where you're able to rise. So it's just something about it, you know? That's the magic that you discover after starting to invest along the way and all the ways you can revolutionize your business by using blockchain technology and NFTs and things like that. So my most urgent thing to answer the question concisely is, is to get those courses up that I'm working on now to educate people, to keep them in the know and to give them real news, not the news that the media is shilling. <laughs> I think it's more of a movement crypto than anything else that's why i think people are so helpful and like you say a brotherhood and i've experienced that as well like that they, they re people really want to help because they want you to get involved because they see it as the future and they want you to get out of, the, of this problem i don't know about monkey jpegs or board you should you should I, join uh, okay okay people would agree with me i'm sure <laughs> fantastic well um been an amazing chat very, very informative, a lot more informative than, than my normal guests. Normally we talk about, we tell stupid stories, and, <laughs> but, um, but it's very, very interesting. I think people will learn a lot from this. Um, how long is it going to be until your course is out? I'm going to put pressure on you now. Yeah, I think it should be out in October. So okay. By the end of October, yes. by the end of October, the course will be out. We'll put the links uh, below the podcast so you can, you can see um, and catch up. And like you said, start listening to people that understand the space and understand the future and know what's going on rather than following the mainstream media. Mainstream media is a load of shit. They don't tell you anything. <laughs> it's all lies, all of it. I don't even believe what the weather says. It's all a load of crap. So get involved. And um, if you could tell everyone where they could find you, where they can follow you, anything that they can do. Yeah, so my website will be up soon. It's cryptomegan.com. And right now I'm on Instagram and X, I guess I should call it. And YouTube, all is CryptoMegan. So it's pretty easy. CryptoMegan or CryptoMeg? CryptoMegan. CryptoMegan, A-N, yeah. yeah? Yeah. Okay, so follow CryptoMegan, get involved, and I'll see you next time on All Is.